Okay, good morning, Boker Tov and Gemar Tov to everyone. Hope you're having a good year so far. Welcome to the first Parsha Shir of the new year, Parsha Ha'azinu, Shabbos Shuva. We read a Parsha, we have a Parsha Shir. Parsha Shir is generously sponsored our series by Becky and Avi Katz and family in memory of David Grossman, the Nishma is David by Menachem Manish. We remain, as always, very, very grateful to the Katz family for their generosity. This morning's Shir in particular is sponsored by my parents, Bashev and Mari Goldberg, in memory of my aunt, Malki Lazar, Esther Malka, Basyanta Rachel, and Shmuel on the occasion of her Yurtzeit. It's particularly gratifying for me this year to dedicate a yashir in her memory, memory of my aunt Malki, as uh, a couple months ago I had a granddaughter born whose name is Malka, Mali, named after my aunt Malki, and I hope she'll have her quality. She was a wonderful woman. She was a strong woman and a courageous woman and a bright woman, an accomplished woman, an educated woman, and she was an educator. She inspired others in a lot of educational capacities throughout her life and raised a beautiful family and is sorely missed my Aunt Malki. And lastly, sponsored anonymously in loving memory of Rebetzin Leona Mandelbaum, Ita Leia Basender Ufega. Her wit and humor are sorely missed. It's her third year at site. And the Yafa Adina Bas Thank you to all of our generous sponsors. Parshas Azino appears in the Artscroll Stone Chumash towards the end as you would imagine, page 1100, 1100. Hazinu is a song, the end of last week's parsha, the end of the last parsha we read, I should say, Parsha's Vayelach, we read of the obligation, the 613 mitzvahs, to write a Torah. Kisvilachem Hashir Hazos, to write the Shira, write the song, Hashir Hazos could be understood in multiple ways. So, because... Last week introduces this week's parsha. Some understood it to mean Hashira Hazos is this song, the song of Hazinu. We, of course, interpret it to mean the whole Torah and the obligation of each individual to write a Sefer Torah. How do we fulfill that? Do we fulfill that in our time? Do we fulfill it by buying Sfarim? Do we fulfill it by buying a letter? Do we fulfill it by actually authorizing the writing of a Sefer Torah? But that was Kisvil Lachem Hashira Hazos brings us to Hazinu. Hazinu is the song that Moshe spoke about. And we saw last time, I don't remember if we got to it or not, Rabbi Salavechik describes why is Torah referred to as a song? Because Torah is not dry. Torah is not just academic or conceptual. Torah is the song of life. We sing and we dance to it. And we create symphony and harmony with it and around it. And Torah is the song of life that we sing and that we ki'ilu hear being sung for us. Here being sung for, sung for us. Did I lose the internet? Oh, hold on. Oh, okay. I think I'm on better internet now. Okay, so Pasuk Aleph. Paraklamid base Pasuk Aleph. Hazinu Hashemayim Vadabera Vesishma Haaretz Imrifi. Give ear, listen, heavens, and I will speak, and may the earth hear the words of my mouth. So Moshe Rabbeinu is calling on the heavens to listen and calling on the earth to pay attention to what he says with his mouth. I lost the internet connection. Bear with me one more moment for those who might be trying to watch. Okay, are we back? I don't know. If anybody's watching, tell us if you can hear us. Write in the comments so we know. Listen, heavens, and I will speak. Soloveitchik writes on these words. Listen, O heavens. It's a funny and it's a peculiar saying. If you have a speech to give, if you have something you want to say, so say it. Why do you have to introduce it so fanciful, so bombastically? Heavens, 
Vadabera, pay attention, earth, give heed. So Soloveitchik says the following, Why did Moshe invoke heaven and earth to witness the covenant he had made with the Jewish people? Rashi cites the Medrash, which explains that the heaven asked the Jewish people, Have you ever seen the sun rising in the west and setting in the east? Have you ever planted wheat and reaped corn? Right, that's what Rashi says. Heaven and earth are serving here as witnesses. I'm a human being, I'm flesh and blood. And tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be gone. Moshe invoked heaven and earth. We know that you need witnesses. Heaven and earth are the two witnesses who pay attention. And what do they say? The Medrash tells us the heaven turns to the people and says, did you ever see nature uncooperative? It's uncooperative when a hurricane forms. It's uncooperative when it rains and we don't want it to. But uncooperative mean unresponsive or disobedient to the will of Hashem. You could look in a calendar, open up Maizmanim. It's one of the most remarkable things about our monthly sunrise minion at the beach. Whatever it says on Maizmanim, you ever you open up the calendar and it says sunrises at this time and pumped. You looked over the ocean. And exactly at that moment that it says sunrise, to the second, to the millisecond, the top of the bowl of the sun will make its way above the horizon. It's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. It's never late. It's not early. It's not late. It doesn't have excuses. It doesn't procrastinate. We say in Kiddush Lavana, after we sanctify the new moon, Shelo Yishanu Estafkidam. That nature never abandons its mission, its role, its job. Whatever God says, whatever time the sun is supposed to rise, no excuses arises. Whatever time it's supposed to set, no excuses. That is exactly when it, exactly when it sets. Nature abides strictly by the laws that were implanted in it. By following the laws of physics, chemistry, and biology, the world follows Hashem's law. No one dares violate the dynamics of the cosmos as represented by the heaven and earth. His primordial will created and regulates all of creation, both organic and inorganic matter, intelligent beings, as well as the beast. Nature behaves in accordance with regulated patterns of behavior which attest to his absolute sovereignty. Nature doesn't have a mind of its own, a will of its own, a want of its own. Nature doesn't have free will. Nature is pre-programmed. And whatever the Rebona Shalom, whatever the Malchai Amlachim, this is we, HaMelech HaKadosh, HaMelech HaMishpat, we're Mamlech Hashem. We're between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's a time that we're coronating, we're celebrating the coronation. We're celebrating Kadosh Baruch Hu's sovereignty and its power over the world, and it's demonstrated through nature and through nature's obedience. There is no nature outside of God, the Ramban says. So yet, as far as the moral law is concerned, Hashem's sovereignty is not universally accepted. Man tries to devise his own moral code and decide on his own what is good and evil. The vision of the Malchia section of Rosh Hashanah expresses our belief that man will ultimately accept his moral law in the same way we now acknowledge the, the natural law. So Malchius the whole institution of Malchius, our wish and our hope, right? The Vilna Gon and others explain a Moshel is a dictator. And we say, we long for the time when the world will universally accept not Hashem, not as a Moshel, not as a dictator, but as a Melech. Ein Melech Am. A king is elected. A king is inaugurated. A king is celebrated. A king is desired and accepted. A Moshel, a dictator, dictates. A dictator simply demands. So a Kodesh Baruch could be a Moshel. He's in charge, he's in control, whether we recognize it, whether we accept it or not. But we daven and we hope and we long for the day that he'll not just be a Moshel, a dictator, he'll be a Melech, he'll be a king, that he and his name will be one. He and his name will be one. 
So right now we understand that you can't, you can't negotiate with gravity. Gravity is a force of nature and you can't fight it. Gravity is fixed. You can't debate it. And you can't make the sun rise later or set earlier. You can't control time. These are all parts of nature, chemistry, biology, physics. We can't control it. Mor morality, we think, is subjective. Morality, we think, changes. There's different cultures, there's different mores. Some people think biology is also subjective and you can change it and you can redefine it and it's negotiable and it's what you want and how you feel. But until now, throughout history, we understood that science, including biology, is objective, it's factual, it's absolute, it's non-negotiable. While morality, we think, is relative. Morality, we think, is relative. Maybe the biggest demonstration of that was in the early 20th century when in Germany they elected the Nazi party and Hitler came to power and through democracy and through a vote, a genocide was passed. It was a relative morality. They thought morality is relative and, and murder and genocide, they thought, it's hard for us to even understand how anyone could have subscribed to, are sometimes legitimate and they're warranted because when morality is relative, when morality is subjective, when morality is negotiable and debatable, then you can result in a, in a genocide in a Nazi Germany in a Holocaust. That's an extreme, but that's what happens. We rep recognize now, and we daven and long for the time that the world will recognize that just as nature is non-negotiable, just as nature is absolute, just as nature is objective, so too morality is no different than nature. It's absolute and it's binding. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the authority of it. And what he tells us is what is upon us, what is incumbent upon us. So all of this is implicit in the Rav's interpretation here of Hazinu HaShamayim Vadabera. Why is he invoking the heavens and the earth? Let heaven and earth, representatives of nature, testify that just as nature is immutable, it's non-negotiable, it's binding, just as nature is absolute and it's not controlled by us, so so too morality. So to the covenant of the Jewish people with Hashem, so too our role and mission in this world is something which is binding and which is, and which is absolute. The uh, Amaros Tahoros, we've been quoting, the Rach Meshivka Rebbe passed away very recently. He says the following, he quotes the Morei Naim. Hasimen Shanosnum Begemar. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says something fascinating. The Gemara at the very end of Rosh Hashanah, in Daf Lamed Aleph, the Gemara tells us, we're not usually accustomed to this, but do you know, how are the parshios divided? How do we decide what to read and where to put the break? Where's the break between parshios? Where's the break between Rishon and Cheni and Shlishi and Ravi? Where did that come from? How do we have that? It's a fascinating discussion. In fact, in Eretz Yisrael, there was a triennial reading of the Torah, and the division of 53 parshios is found in very early sources. How do you divide it weekly? How would you divide it to finish it every, every three years? And the debate of the frequency, how the aliyahs are divided, is it equal, why are some aliyahs short, others are very long, who made that decision, when was that decision made, it's a fascinating study for another time. But when it comes to our parsha, it's particularly relevant, because the Gemara Rosh Hashanah tells us that there's an acronym for the division of Parshas Ha'azinu. The source is Mesech Sofrim. Gemara Rosh Hashanah quotes it, and the Rambam, the Rambam quotes it in two places, it's codified by the tour, and later by the Shulchan Aruch, they quote it, Lehalacha. And they say the following, Shulchan Aruch and Rachaim Simen, Tov Chav Ches. Parshas Ha'azinu, Mechalkem Parshiyosek, Yedrach Shei Mechalkem Asoba Mikdash. 
They used to read Parsha Sa'azinu in the Beis HaMikdash every Shabbos. Every Shabbos. We read it once a year, but its theme is so significant and important they would read it in the Beis HaMikdash every Shabbos. And they would, there's the debate, the Torah quotes as if they read the whole Hazinu every Shabbos. Others suggest that they would divide Hazinu into six and then have a six-week cycle of reading one-sixth of it each week until you completed it every six weeks. And what's the acronym? Hazivlach. Hazivlach are the letters that begin the psukim, which delineate where to break up the six parts hazinu. Hazinu, zuchor, yarkiveyu, vayar, lochachmok, yasal shemaim, atzofashira. And the shvi korim, yasofashira, atzofaparsha. And the Ramah writes, vadafka b'shabes, mechalkana parshios, avabamincha b'shabes, ubezvei, ein lochosh. So hazinu, we have a tradition where maybe it's debatable where to break up the other parshios. Hazinu, hazinu, we have a tradition of where, to, of where to break it up. And you can't deviate from this tradition. The tradition is hazivlach. So the Ramah says, when can you not deviate? On Shabbos. Shabbos mincha, Monday and Thursday, everyone's in such a rush. You could take that first aliyah and divide it in three. It's the rest of the times that you read after the that you have to divide it based on hazivlach. Rav Salavetrik disagreed. And Rav Shechter often quotes the practice of Rav Salavetrik, and that's the Minag in instituted before my time, following this custom of Rav Salavetrik, that even during the week, even Monday and Thursday in Shabbos Mincha, we divide Hazinu by Hazivlach, not taking the first aliyah and dividing it into, into three. There's actually a disagreement. The acronym Hazivlach, what, which psukim? Because there's multiple psukim with begin with those letters. So which one, which one it is? And these were the shira that the Leviim sang on Shabbos. Hashir shayi Leviim hayu omrim. And then we say it at the end of Enkelokeinu. And we, what was the shir shayom of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. So in the morning at the Olas HaTamid, they would say Mizmar Shil Yom HaShabbos. And Musaf, they would say either the whole Hazinu or one-sixth of Hazinu. And at Mincha, they would say either part of Az Yashir or the Shira of the Be'er from Parshas Chukas. And as I said, there's a debate that they say all of Hazinu or one-sixth of Hazinu, but the Shir Shalyom of Shabbos at Musaf was from Parshas Hazinu. The Rambam in Hilchos Tefillah, the Rambam writes, Kola How did they choose how to break up the aliyahs? Everyone who reads from the Torah starts and ends with something positive. Each aliyah was broken up so that you begin and you end. It's like constructive criticism. You know, they teach parenting or employees when you're giving the review. It's a sandwich. You start with something, you're amazing, you're great, this is good about you, you do that well. However, I have to share with you, and by the way, overall things are great, you do well, everything is wonderful. You're supposed to make a nice, constructive criticism sandwich. You start with something positive, you end with something positive, and you slip in that feedback somewhere in the middle. That is the, uh, that is the ancient wisdom on it. So the Rambam says that's the tradition when it comes to Kriya Satora too, that every aliyah starts with something positive and ends with something positive, but here it's different. And so on. And he divides it all up. And wonders the Rambam, why do we uh, break it up in this way? And he says, Because 
It's organized in this way in order to arouse, in order to elicit a return to tshuva. The Rambam is juxtaposing the division here and that it's different than all other readings, than all other readings. And that's how Rabbeinu Bachaya understands it as well. The acronym Haziv Lach. What does the acronym Haziv Lach mean? Ziv means glory, splendor. Lach is yours to you. So Ziv is used throughout Sefer Daniel, a special glory of the human face. And that's this return, restore your glory, return and return your purity. Go back to who you were meant to be. The word tshuva that we translate as repentance. I don't know what repentance means. We've adopted words and translations from other peoples and religions. We need to translate those words. We don't know what they mean. The word tshuva doesn't mean repentance. I don't know what repentance is. It means return, come back. Come back to who you were meant to be. Come back to the pure pintaliyid. Come back to the chilaka lakal mimamish. Come back to we spoke about on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not a day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah is a day of remembering. Yom Hazikaron. We remember Hashem, and Hashem wants us to remember our potential, our capacity, who we could be. That our best moments are our most real moments. That's who we are, and that's who we are, and that's who we are meant to be, and that's who we are meant to be. So back to the Morenayim. The Morenayim says the Amros Tahoros says this Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, When do we read Hazinu? Most years, almost all years, we read Hazinu when? Shabbat Shuvah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is when we are in progress. We're in the process of working on ourselves. We're doing a hard reset, a hard reboot. Our system as a virus Sometimes with the virus, you could just close the program and open the program. Sometimes you have to turn off your phone or your laptop and start it again. And sometimes, lo aleinu, you call Apple and they say, you're going to have to do a hard reset. Ah, but did you back everything up? You're going to lose everything. It's a risk you have to take, but if you want it to work again, you got to do a hard reset. So this is the time of year. We're doing that hard reset. Tshuva. Tshuva is reset. And that's the theme of Azinu. This song is a trip and a journey through Jewish history. We're remembering, we're recounting where we've been and how we got there and what went well and what we need to work on. This is the formula, this is the recipe, this is the manual for tshuva, and it begins with Haziv Lach. Now you might say, maybe it's too late. I'm so contaminated, I'm so corrupted, I'm so soiled that I'm so addicted, it's too late. There's no resetting, there's no reboot. The virus has penetrated so deeply, it's destroyed. Sometimes you bring in that laptop, you bring in that phone, you bring in that iPad and they say, even the hard reset is not gonna put your Humpty Dumpty back together again. It's gone. So sorry, you're gonna have to buy a new one. So convenient for us, so sorry for you. But you're gonna have to buy a new one. So a person might feel, what if I'm like that laptop, that phone, that iPad, I'm just, it's so abused, so old, so used, has such a bad virus, you can't even do a hard reboot, a hard reset, it's over. Person should never think that way. Why? Because every person is a tovim. Every one of us is the divine countenance. Every one of us shines in purity. Every one of us has a piece of God inside us. If you made mistakes, if you missed opportunities, so if you have a virus, of course you've got to get software to get rid of the virus. You've got to restart, you've got to reboot. 
וזהו רמז הסימן הזיו לוח, שצורך כל אחד לשוב בתשובה לסכין מעשיו, כדי להחסר לעצמו הזיו העליון. What we're trying to do, האזינו, שבשובה, between ראשון ליום כיפר, what are we trying to do? הזיו לוח. Put the glory back on your face. Put the purity, put the belief and the confidence. Know that Hashem doesn't just believe in you, Hashem doesn't just love you, Hashem needs you. We are needed by Him. We're needed. We need to know that we're needed. We're not here randomly, we're not here by chance, we're not here for no reason. If we woke up this morning, we are needed. So, Haziv Lach, Hatzal Elokim Aydezem Amshich Mashpoz Tovus Lecho Yisrael. Put that purity, put that light, shine in other people's life. Restore and reboot and reset. Get back to where you were going and where we're meant to be. It's never too late to become who we're meant to be. And that's Hazinu, Haziv Lach. Hazinu, Haziv Lach. The Teferis Uziel says, when you ask for spirituality, you could be sort of non-nuanced. You could be demanding. You could be more aggressive. Hashem, help me work on my midos. Help me daven with sincerity. Help me learn Torah and be transformed. Then you could be a little bit more aggressive. When you ask for gashmias, help me earn a living help me have my health, help me have a nice house and a nice car, then you need divrei ritzvah v'tachanunim, you have to beg and you have to plead. And that's ha'azinu ha'shamayim. Kasher odem avakesh ha'azinu levakash ha'sol nye shamayim. Shamayim, heaven, represents heavenly things. When you're asking for, when you're davening for, when you're demanding heavenly things, heavenly aspiration, then lashon kasha ha'azinu adabeira. Adabeira dibur is lashon kasha. You can speak strongly. You can speak aggressively. But when you're asking for artsios, when you're asking for gashmias, for physical things, then you need amira. Imrefi. Amira is raka. Amira is soft, gentle, pleading, begging. A beautiful Teferis Uzeel. Hazinu hashamayim. When it comes to my spiritual aspirations, adabera. Speak strongly, confidently, aggressively demandingly to Hashem. But when it comes to Haaretz, when it comes to the things down here, the physical things, Imrei fi, Imrei, gently, and plead, and beg, and ask kindly, because you're not necessarily really, really worthy of it. And that's the Pshat, Azinu HaShemayim says the Rach Meshrifka, Lamala Bashamayim Azinu Adibrei Tfilos Yisrael. So, Hazinu HaShemayim Va'adabeira. So, if you start by asking for spiritual things, it expresses itself here in the physical world. I've said this many times recently. We're asking, Rosh Hashanah we began, now we're doing the hard work, and the gates are going to start closing. It's almost Yom Kippur. The gates are going to close. What's the strongest, most persuasive, most compelling argument we can make to Hashem? Give me and the people I love good health. Give us good livelihood, resources. Give us the things that we need, serenity, peace of mind. Give us talents and blessings and skills. What's the most compelling, persuasive argument we can make? Is Hashem, don't do it for me. Do it because if I'm your loyal soldier, if I'm going to live in service to you, then you got to give me an expense account. You got to give me the tools, the strength, the energy, the talents to fulfill the mission. You can't send me out to do something but not give me the expense account. You can't send me out but not give me the energy or the resources to do it. So the Hazinu HaShemayim V'adabeira, and then here on earth, Sishma Aretz Imrefi, then I will be able to pursue that mission 
then I'll be able to make it happen. He quotes here also, I posted this in the WhatsApp group for our incredible new Kolo Boker, but he also says here, Avart, he says there's a, a beautiful thing to learn, always learn before you daven. Learn before you daven based on this, a, a custom. He quotes it from the Rebbe Milublin. There's all kinds of barriers and blockages. We're offering these tefillos, but it's buffering. It's not getting upstairs. How do you clear out the highway to make sure that our tefillos can ascend as, as quickly as possible? Learning Torah. Learning Torah is what clears out the highway. And that's Yarof Kamatar Lechi. Yarof is Lashon Shvira. And then Tizal Katal Imrasi. First clear out the highway, and then Imrasi, the Tfilos can ascend on high. So, spirituality, we have to be devoted to the spiritual, to the Shamayim, before we're focused on the, before we're focused on the, on the Aretz. Haziv is the joining of the month of Elul to the months of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Sfira, Matan Torah. Yud of Elul, there's a lot of, uh, Ideas about Ziv also, its significance in terms, of, uh, in terms of the months of the year, how you categorize the months of the year. There's a beautiful insight that uh, I think it's Rav Kook has, also about Haziv Lach. Each of the psukim of Haziv Lach, of this acronym, the six parts, the six psukim are a framework and a recipe for tshuva. Hazinu, listen. Zachor, remember. Yarkiveyu, right up to the high places of earth. And then Vayar, then God saw, then God will see you. Lu Chochmu, if only they would be wise and know. Kiesa, I'll lift my hand to the heaven. If you look at the Hazinu, again, in this uh, open of Hazinu, the reason we read it, Shabbat Shuvah, Haziv Lach, is because it is the formula for Shuvah. Paraglam, Abayz, Pasuk, Gimel. Kishem Hashem, Akrah, Lelokeinu. Kishem, when I call out the name of Hashem, ascribe greatness to our God. When I call out the name of Hashem, ascribe greatness to our God. The uh, Teferas Uziel, and it appears in the Bermaim Chaim as well, this is according to the Amaras Tahoros. Kishem Hashem Akrav Ugodol Lokeinu, Apim Ashikasu Tamidi Rabbeinu Yonah Vaharosh. We say in Modem Derabonon, the end of Modem Derabonon, when the Chazan says Modem, when he gets up to at the end of the Amida, we offer our own Modem. We offer our own modem. Why do we offer our own modem? One of my favorite Barbanels. Barbanel says, why? Because what is modem? Gratitude. You can't outsource gratitude. You can't tell someone, say thank you for me. If you're sincere in your gratitude, you have to offer it yourself. So even though it comes to the rest of the repetition of the Amida, we rely on the Shleach Tzibor to represent us, modem, you can't outsource gratitude. If you are genuine in your feeling of gratitude, you don't send someone else to express it, you have to express it yourself. So the end of the Modem Durabanan ends with a clumsy expression. We begin, Modem Anachnu Lach, we are grateful to you. And how do we end Modem Durabanan? Al Shanachnu Modem Lach, for the fact that we're grateful to you. We're grateful to you for the fact that we're grateful to you. It's not clumsy at all, it's actually very beautiful. It means among the things that we're grateful for is that we're grateful. How many people are living their lives and all they see is what's missing? They're filled with such bitterness and resentment and anger and frustration and they're unable to see the blessings in their lives. They're incapable of feeling gratitude for what they have. So, modem anach nulach, Hashem, we're so grateful. Al anach nu modem lach. 
for the fact that we're in a place that we can feel gratitude. We're grateful for being grateful. How was that? That wasn't bad. That's what he says. So Tuveris Uziel says, that's what's going on over here. That which we can call out Hashem's name. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have a relationship with you. I'm grateful that I see you. I'm grateful that I lean on you. I'm grateful that I rely on you. I'm grateful that I have the confidence to know that everything's from you. I'm grateful that I'm grateful. And that's the pshat in the Pasuk. Kishem Hashem Ekra, when I call out Hashem's name, when I call out to you, when I call your name, ascribe greatness to God. In other words, one of the greatnesses I ascribe is that I call out to you. I'm so grateful that I don't live life thinking I'm in charge, I'm in control, I'm not competing with you, but I'm so grateful. Similar to Al Shanachnu. Modim lach. Perak lamed beis pasuk dalad. Hatsur tamim paalok yichol derechav mishpat. Kela menaz einavel tzadik v'yashar hu. We describe Hashem as hatsur tamim paalo. Hatsur tamim paalo. Hashem is the rock, the original prudential. Hashem is the rock. Hatsur tamim paalo yichol derechav mishpat. Kela menaz einavel. The rock, perfect in his work. All of his paths are justice. A God of faith without iniquity. Righteous and fair is he. Kel emuna, he has emuna, ve'enavel. What does the word emuna here mean? Kel emuna. Who does he have faith in? We have faith in God. He's a God of faith. So the simple understanding kel emuna is that God is faith means he's dependable, he's reliable. Faithful means you're faithful that your word is your bond. You do what you say you're going to do. You're reliable, you're dependable. Kel emuna, God is a faithful reliable God. You can lean on Him. You can rely on Him. He shows up. He has your back. He's kel emuna. But I would humbly suggest that maybe it can also mean, or alternatively it can mean kel emuna. And we've said this many times. Go all the way back, 500 sitter snippets, to Moda'ani. How do we end Moda'ani? What are the last two words of Moda'ani? Moda'ani Unlike the way we were taught to sing it as kids, it's you restored my soul to me with loving kindness, graciously. Kama, last two words. Your faith is great. That's how we start our day. God, your faith is great. We have faith in Him. In whom does He have faith? What's the answer? In us. You woke up this morning, He has faith in you. He's renewed your contract. Rabba emuna secha, he has faith in us. As important as it is to wake up every morning saying thank you to Hashem, as important as it is to wake up every day expressing our faith in him, is as important as affirming that we know he has faith in us, that he believes in us, that he wants us, that he needs us. That's why we're here. By the way, this is all throughout our davening. All throughout our davening, right now. What do we say? 
Zachreinu l'chaim melech haveitz b'chaim, v'chasveinu b'sefer ha'chaim. All of that I understand. Zachreinu l'chaim, we want to live. Hashem, help me live. Zachreinu l'chaim, melech haveitz b'chaim. You value life, you cherish life, you believe in life. So, I'm calling you out. If that's what you believe, then give me more life. Zachreinu l'chaim, melech haveitz b'chaim. And how can you do that? How can you ensure that? V'chasveinu b'sefer ha'chaim. So write me in the book of life. And then we end very peculiarly. And therefore, What's our last argument? And by the way, if I'm unworthy and you're not ready to do it for me, do it for you. Avinu Malkeinu, we're saying every day now, multiple times a day. And what do we say? Over and over again. God, if you're not ready to answer me for me, do it for you. Do it for you. God is perfect, omnipotent, infinite. He doesn't need anything, right? Right. However, he chooses for us to understand him as needing us. It's true, he's omnipotent, he's infinite, he's perfect, he has no needs. But he expresses himself, he manifests himself to us, ki'ilu, in a way that he needs, because he wants us to feel and to know that we are needed, that we are needed. To not be so concerned only with our needs, to be concerned with being needed. Lama'ancha. We're doing it for you, Hashem. How can I walk around make a kiddush Hashem? How can I repair and redeem this world which needs repair and redemption as much as ever? How can I do that if you don't extend my life? If you don't give me resources? If people around me, God forbid, are sick or struggling and I have to focus on them, I can't do the work for you. So Hashem, even if I'm unworthy, I say lamancha. I say lamancha. That's what we're saying over and over again. It's all for you. I'm here for you. That's why, that's why we're doing it. That's what it's really all, that's what it's really all about. So, Hatsur Tamim, Kel Emuna. Kel Emuna, you're a God of faith. I have faith in you. And in whom do you have faith? You have faith in me. And how do I know you have faith in me? Because I woke up today, I'm here. I'm alive, I'm breathing. My heart is beating. So that means there's work to be done. There's work yet to be done. Hashem is not done with us yet. There's work yet to be done. Figuring it out is the harder part. But maybe that's the pshat. Kel Emuna. Kel Emuna means you're a God of faith. You're a God of faith, not only reliable, dependable, but God of faith that you continue to have faith in me. The Megid Yosef of Yosef Suratskin focuses on the words Hatsur Tamim Paalo, the rock, perfect in his work. Kurdish created everything in the world except for one thing. You know what he did not create? Sheker. Sheker is deceit, lies, falsehood. Shinemar Hatsur. So the Megid Yosef, Rav Yosef is bothered. It sounds like he created everything in the world, including stubbornness, jealousy, <laughs> arrogance. He created everything, including some bad Midos. The only thing that Hashem says I didn't create as man-made is Sheker, deceit. Lies, falsehood. So you're saying Hashem did create those other bad midos? What does that mean? Hatsur, God is a rock, the rock of truth. Kodesh Baruch Hu is Chosama Shal Kodesh Baruch Hu Emes. His signature, for Kodesh Baruch Hu signs on Aksuba, for Kodesh Baruch Hu signs on a loan, for Kodesh Baruch Hu renews his sure membership, his signature is truth. That's how he signs his name. That's who he is. He's a tsur, he's a rock. He's truth, unbendable, unshakable, inflexible. Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't negotiate with the truth. Sheker, that's man-made. 
But what, the other bad midos and qualities do come from God? How do you understand that? One does the Megid Yosef. And he answers the following. Listen to what he says. Qualities are external garments that we wear. When it comes to those other behaviors, they're not the essence of who we are. They're how we express ourselves in the world. Sometimes we express ourselves with anger or rage or jealousy or envy or arrogance or impatience or stubbornness. They're not, they don't speak to our essence. They're simply the, the lavush. They're the wardrobe, the garment of how we're expressing ourselves in this world. But MS, being truthful and honest and having integrity, that speaks to the etzem. That is the core identity of who we are. Where do you see this? says the Megid Yosef. When it comes to the other midos, we say Baal. You're a Baal chesed. Baal gaiva. A Baal taiva. We say it in the positive. A Baal chesed. A Baal tztaka. But we say it in the negative. A Baal gaiva. What's a Baal gaiva? An arrogant person is a Baal. A master of or married to gaiva, to arrogance. So you could be married to doing chesed and tztaka. You could be married to arrogance. A Baal gaiva. A Baal taiva. A Baal chesed. A Baal tztaka. But you don't call somebody a Baal MS. What do you call them? An Ish MS. An Ish MS. An Adam Yashar. Why? Because when it comes to the qualities of MS and Yashras, when it comes to truth and integrity and being upright and straight, that's not a lavush, it's not a garment or a wardrobe you wear. It's not simply how we manifest or express in this world. It is to the ess essence of who we are. So when it's a wardrobe, a garment you're wearing, then you're a Baal. Right now you're married. They say this word about a, about a bar and bas mitzvah, boy and girl. Why are they called a bar mitzvah and a bas mitzvah? Bar means, bar is Aramaic for ben, son. Bat or bas, however you want to pronounce it. Don't judge anyone for the way they pronounce it. It doesn't mean anything about them. By our six daughters, bat, bas mitzvah, on the invitation we said, you know, we're just going to put it in the Hebrew. Bez, tough. Mitzvah. You read it however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> Don't assume things about us just because of the way that we printed it. Finally figured that out by the sixth one. So, why, why is a bar mitzvah boy and the equivalent in a girl, why are they called the child of a mitzvah? We call them a bal chesed and a bal staka, and yet we call somebody a ben Torah and a bar mitzvah. Why? So famously they say, because when it comes to staka, when it comes to chesed, when you're doing it, you're married to it. So you're known by the chesed you do because you perform chesed. You're philanthropic. You give tzedakah. You're known by the tzedakah that you give. You're married to it. But you know, just like you could be married, you could also get divorced. And if you stop doing it, you're no longer married. You no longer earned the title. You're no longer a bal chesed or a bal tzedakah. You got divorced from that behavior that you once did. But when it comes to Torah and it comes to mitzvos, you can't ever get divorced. A child, I know this, you can emancipate. But the Torah doesn't view that you could ever emancipate. A child is a child is a child for life. So therefore, we're trying to communicate to this child, you're not a Baal mitzvah, you're not a Baal Torah. It's not just for this bar mitzvah. We made you a logo and an insignia and a party and fanfare and we're throwing candies at your head. You're married to the Torah and the, for the weekend and then you'll go back to your life. You're a, you're a bar mitzvah, you're a son and it's part of who you are forever. So similarly says the Megid Yosef, you're a Baal Taiva because hopefully you'll get divorced from Taiva. You're a Baal Avera. 
Hopefully you'll get a divorce from the Averas that you're doing. You're a Baal Chesed. Hopefully you'll stay married, happily married forever to Chesed. A Baal Tztaka, you'll be happily married forever to Tztaka. But all those are external manifestations, descriptions, garments, wardrobe. But your essence, your integrity, your honesty, we call you an Ish Emes, an Adam Yashar, because that speaks to the, that speaks to the core, the essence of who you are. If you take the Aleph away from Emes, what do you have left? Mace. Aleph, if you take away the singularity, if you take away the aluf, the Hashem, the, the godliness, the integrity, if you take the Aleph, you know what you have left? You're dead. Without honesty and integrity, you're dead. You're dead. If your word doesn't mean you're bond, if it doesn't mean anything, then there's somebody else. So all the other Midos are not predetermined. They can be harnessed for good or for bad. We channel them, we direct them. That's why they're called Midos. That's why they're in a measure. But MS, MS is essential. MS is core. MS is fundamental. Yaakov is an Ishtam, Titain MS Liyakov, because that's part of fundamental who we are. And where do we get all this from? We get it all from the Ribbon Shalom himself. The Ribbon Shalom is Hatsur Tamim Pa'alo. Hatsur. He is the rock, and the rock, Hatsur Tamim Pa'alo. The rock, the Medrash says, means he is a rock of truth. And just like the rock doesn't break, is impenetrable, Hashem is a rock of truth. What else? Hatsur. How else can we understand the word Hatsur? There are, in the first 52 parshios, the word Sur appears how many times? Three. Here in Parshas Ha'azinu, five. Hatsur over and over and over again. A rock. We don't find Hashem being referred to. We always find a rock. Yaakov slept on a rock. Yaakov made a, a mizbeach out of rocks. He made a covenant with the rock. Hashem is not described as a rock. A rock is not a metaphor for Hashem until now. What does it mean that Hashem is a metaphor for a rock? And why now? So Rabbeinu Bachaya on the parsha has a beautiful interpretation. Rabbeinu Bachaya says the following. So the first interpretation of, of a rock is like prudential. Prudential, get it? What, what, why is the bank called the rock? It's reliable. It'll always be around. It's strong. It's dependable. Tzur is yesod ha'aretz. The bedrock. The bedrock is the foundation of the earth. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Rabbeinu Bachai, Moshe yasch atal daber ala edim. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm about to remind you about this covenant, this relationship that we have, our obligation, our duty and responsibility, our mission to be of service to him. Why? Who is he? What do you owe him? The answer is he's the Yesod Olam. He's the, he's the Tzur. He is the rock. He is the bedrock of this world and of life. That's who he is. On the one and he is Hatsur. He's a rock, he's the bedrock, he's the foundation of this whole world, Hashem. At the same time, he's Tamim Pa'alo. So you'd think he'd swell with arrogance. The wrestler, the rock, the actor, the rock. Why is the rock? He's so built, he's so buff, he's so huge, he's so arrogant, he's so egotistical, he's so... Hashem is Hatsur, he's the real rock. He's the real rock, but tamim pa'alo. He's tamim, but he's humble. He's tamim. At the same time, 
says Moshe Rabbeinu is Tamim. So all of that is interpretation number one in Rabbeinu Bechaya. Hatsur means, like prudential, Hatsur means the rock, reliable, dependable, the bedrock of this earth. And that's why Moshe invokes him to start this speech. Number two, Rabbeinu Bechaya continues and he says, second interpretation. Then he says, V'shamati b'pim mori v'shem shen tzorach loma b'berchas halavana. Paul, he, he quotes. Uh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Atur tamim paolo ki Moshe Rames b'kana yisiraso shel adam arishon ba'achet ova on show. Oh, sorry. The second interpretation. When you hear the name Moshe and you hear the word rock, what comes to mind? Moshe hit the rock. He hit the rock. So Moshe lived for and dreamt of what? Going into Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. V'eschan and he davened 515 t- times and was rejected. He was answered, but the answer was no. He wouldn't go in. And despite that, what does Hashem call him? A rock. What does Moshe Rabbeinu call him? A rock. Because Moshe is demonstrating and modeling for the people that even when Hashem sometimes says no, he's still your rock. Moshe is invoking. I failed with the rock, but Hashem is the rock. It's a play on words, says Rabbeinu Bechaya. I came up short with the rock when I hit the rock instead of speaking to it. Because of that, Hashem said no. Even when Hashem sometimes says no, he's still our rock. He's still, wow, what a musser. And he's demonstrating, he's modeling that musser. He got a no for his dream, for what he desperately wanted, and he was still able to surrender to Hashem as the rock even after he got the no. And then Rabbeinu Bechaya quotes a third interpretation. The third interpretation is that the word sur sounds like Hashem Shutzar Kolat Soros Kulan. What is, what is the, uh, the root of the word sur, Rabbeinu Bechaya says, is Yatsar. Yotzer Or Revore Choshech. Kodesh Baruch Hu created us. He created the world. He created the world. Ein sur kelokeinu. And the Gemara learns, Ein Sayar Ke'elokeinu. Don't read it, Ein Tzur Ke'elokeinu. Read it, Ein Sayar. God is a creator. God is the artist. Tzur Olamim. Tzar Shnei Olamim. Vayitza Hashem Elokim Esa'adam. Kodesh Baruch Hu Vayitza Hashem Elokim Esa'adam. He created man. So says Rabbeinu Bechaya, these Psukim, that same root means both to create and means rock. Why? Because in describing the, uh, the Torah, in describing our relationship with Hashem, we remember with this reflection. Hashem created this whole world, and He is the sustainer, He is the rock of this whole world. And it's no more um, demanding to ask us to surrender to Him as our rock than to realize that He is the creator. He's the great artist, He's the great creator of this world, and He is the rock that continues to hold up this world. Paraglamid Beis, Pasigiyah, turn the page. Many of these psukim that we're skipping, we've spoken about in previous years, with beautiful, beautiful insights, not my own. We quoted from others that are worth reviewing and listening to. Perak Lamed Beis Pasuk Yud. Yim tsa'eu be'eretz midbar v'so yalal yishimun, yisov ven yivon neyu, yitzrenu ki yishon eino. He discovered him in a desert land, in desolation, in a howling wilderness. He encircled him, he granted him discernment, he preserved him like the pupil of his eye. Hashem is talking about the Jewish people. We discovered Hashem where? In the desert. Wandering in the desert after we came out of Mitzrayim in desolation, in a howling wilderness. And then Hashem encircled us with what? A sukkah. Protected us from the elements. 
granted us discernment, preserved us like the pupil of the of the eye. And here, again, the Imros, the Amaros Tahoros, the Amaros Tahoros, the Rach Meshrifka has beautiful interpretations. Number one, quotes from the uh, Orla Shamaim. We found Hashem. We have to know that we're always close to Hashem. But we have to know that sometimes we feel like we're spiritually dehydrated. We're spiritually in a desert and we're spiritually dehydrated. We can't find Hashem anywhere. We're empty. We're in a place of snakes and scorpions dangers and threats that loom, that surround us. We feel unworthy, we feel worthless, we feel distanced, we feel far from Hashem, we're spiritually dehydrated. We need to know We can even find Hashem in that circumstance and from that place, even in a desert. Soloveitchik has a very similar language as well in describing Midbar. He says, man's search for God expresses itself in intellectual activity. When the seeker reaches the boundary of reality, they become alarmed and retreat. When they confront eternity with its terrifying spaces, they both attract and repel. Here Hashem reveals himself above nature, from beyond the world bound by time. person has to know that even when they reach the boundary and they feel like they're far away and they're gone, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be found. That's what he says here also, the Rach Meshrifka. Hashem is Baruch Ba'aretz. Because what do we say? Yimtzeeyu be'eretz midbar. Where do you find him? Be'eretz. Ladaber dibure Torah utfila. Yimtzeeyu be'eretz. How? Midbar. Repunctuate the word midbar. Chasid shavort. How can you repunctuate the word midbar? Midaber. Divre Torah utfila. Hemantik yadaber. Talk about Hashem. If you feel like you're in a midbar, you feel you know my family. We're in a bad place right now. We're far. We're uninspired. We're in a deep descent. We're spiritually depressed. We're spiritually dehydrated. We're in a bad place. You know what the antidote is? You know what the answer is? If you're in a midbar, become a midaber. Learn Torah, speak Torah, daven, ha'amantik yadaber. If you talk about Hashem, you'll believe in Hashem. See Him, talk about Him, thank Him, protest, object to Him, talk about Him. Uveso yilel yishimun, remez liyitzahara. Shigama yitzahara chavitzlam noas ha'adam. Yitzahara tries to hold us back. Yisova venu, yivo venu. Kodesh Baruch Hu surrounds us. Kodesh Baruch Hu protects us. Kodesh Baruch Hu has our back and ensures that we're going to be okay. Perak Lamed Beis, Pasuk Yud Aleph. Kinesher Yair, continuing with this beautiful song, Moshe Rabbeinu's magnificent poetry of Hazinu. Kinesher Yair Kino, Al goes love Yerachif. Yifros Kanafav Yikacheyu, Yisaeu Al Evraso. Pasuk says he was like an eagle arousing its nest, hovering over its young, spreading its wings and taking them, carrying them on pinions. So I got a new safer just this week. It just came out. My friend, Rabbi Aaron Goldscheider, Torah United. He has a Haggadah United, if you've ever learned his Haggadah. His Haggadah has every paragraph in the Haggadah, a vort from the Rav, Rav Kook, and Shlomo Karbach. Now he has Torah United. Every Parsha, he has Torah from Rav Kook, Rav Salavechik, and the Hasidic Masters. He has from, from all. I want to thank uh, Rabbi Simon Posner, who was one of the editors, who was kind enough to give me a copy of this beautiful new sefer. So he has here on the section, under, on and under Hashem's wing. So he has, again, from Rav Kook, Rav Soloveitchik, and the Hasidic Masters on each parsha. It's two volumes. Two volumes, this is the end of, obviously, Sefer Dvarim, Hazinu. He says the following. If you read it carefully, you'll find messages that resonate for our generation embedded eons ago in the multi- 
valent fabric of the poem. Focus on a single evocative and vivid line to see how it has been read by some of our greatest exegetes. He was like an eagle rousing its nest, hovering over its young, spreading its wing, carrying them on its pinion. Rashi lays out the foundation. What does Rashi say on this Pasuk? What does Rashi say? Pasuk Yed Aleph, Kinesha Yair. It's compassion. Nagam barachamim Whenever we talk about Hashem and an eagle, what's different of the eagle than other birds? The eagle carries on its wings. The eagle flies the highest. So the eagle absorbs the arrows in order to protect the young. So Rashi here again says when the eagle comes to move them from place to place, it doesn't clutch them with the talons like other birds do with the legs underneath. The eagle lets us ride on its wings. So therefore we're protected. It, it absorbs the arrows. According to Rashi, the imagery of the eagle protecting its young represents Hashem's protective and loving relationship with his people. Chidush Arim, Rabbi the Ger Rebbe says, Hashem was taking a bullet for his people at the sea in more ways than one. In the heavenly court, a dangerous confrontation was occurring. A prosecuting angel confronted the Rebbe Shalom and claimed no difference between the Jewish people and the Egyptians. Both these and those are idol worshippers. What's the difference? We were in the Memtesh Shari Tuma. We were in the lowest level. We were idolaters. So we were no different. We were the same, said the prosecuting angel. So Hashem himself stepped in to protect his charge from the barbs of the accuser. Perhaps the Jewish people were guilty and did not deserve to be saved, but Hashem loves his children all the same. The image of the glorious eagle taking an arrow for its young symbolizes Hashem as our eternal guardian, even when we are unworthy of his care and devotion. So now you understand, we read this Shabbat Shuvah. We read this between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Even in the Beis Din Shamal, these Yemei Din, even as we're approaching Yom Kippur and the prosecuting angel is trying to make the case for our demise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has our back. He protects us like the eagle. Many of the practices recite a prayer before wrapping the talus, which incorporates this exact pasuk from this parsha. Though the midst of tzitzis may, may my soul, spirit, breath, and prayer be saved from the outside forces, may the talus spread its knafav, its corners over them and save them as the eagle arouses its nest hovering over its young. In the tefillah that you say when you put on your talus, is this Pasuk from our Parsha. The word for the corners of the talus is the same word for wings or pinions, knafayim, making the connection to the imagery of our Pasuk. As we wrap our body in the talus, we imagine ourselves being screened by the wings of the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, which protects us from the spiritual forces of evil. So when a man puts on his talus in the morning, he does atifa, and he wraps it, and he throws it over his shoulder. Don't in one motion wrap and unwrap. You're supposed to stay that way. Hold that position with wrapped in that talus the amount of time it takes to walk six feet. It's a very short amount of time. But basically, take a breath. Take a pause. Take a moment. And say this Pasuk. Say, Hashem, I feel you spreading your wings over me right now. I feel you're giving me a hug right now. I feel like you're protecting me in a cocoon right now. Whatever forces, whatever I'm going to face, whatever's going to be in my day, whatever I have to confront, whatever I have to overcome, when we put on that talus, we're wrapping ourselves in a hug of Hashem, kenafayim, kenafav, the wings of this eagle, just like protects its young, is protecting us. Images are in the eye of the beholder. Rav Levi Yitzchak Berditchev interpreted the avian metaphor a different way. Hashem is still represented by the mother eagle, but we should not overlook the fact that Jews are young eagles themselves. What is special about the eagle according to Jewish lore, its soaring capabilities aside, a Pasuk and Sefer Telem holds the key. Pasuk and Tehillim says, Your youth is renewed, Kanesher, like the eagle. Tehillim Kuf Gimel. Rashi there explained that the eagle molts completely every year, its name being derived from the annual shedding. Why is it called a Nesher, an eagle? 
because the shoresh, nun, shin, resh, means to shed. The eagle sheds its feathers and regrows them every year. I have no idea if that's still true, if it's true, but that's our tradition, so it must be true. The eagle sheds something and regrows it every year. Hashem has instilled in the Jew a similar quality. One can always start over no matter how bad it gets. The Jewish people, we possess the spiritual resolve to recommit and rededicate even after repeated failures. In the same way the mother eagle gently awakens her young, so God arouses us in this divine gift to press on in the wake of spiritual defeat. So just like the eagle can shed and replenish, we too can shed and then replenish and soar once again. It's a beautiful, beautiful image of the Kedushas Levi of Rav Levi Yitzchak. Rav Menachem Mendel of Rimenov adopted yet another interpretation. So we had Rashi, and then we had, we had Rashi, we had the Kedusha Rim, the Ger Rebbe, the Kedusha Slevi. Here's a fourth. Rav Menachem Mendel of Rimenov adopted yet another between Yaakov and the eagle in the mystical literature. The passion to serve Hashem within every Jew ultimately stems from our forefather Yaakov, who passed it down to us. Even today, with the passing of millennia, we continue to be the beneficiaries of spiritual gifts that he bequeathed to us. We are B'nai Yisrael, the children of Yisrael. Our ancestor is present in our life, hovering over us in our spiritual strivings. As Rashi noted, the image of the protective eagle already appeared in Parshas Yisro. Is this line in Hazinu recalling the seminal event? Yet while we were in Mitzrayim, before the tenth and final plague, it says, Hashem says, I'll carry you on the wings of eagles and I'll bring you close to me. So is there a connection between Hazinu, the eagle, and Hashem's promise to us while we were yet in Mitzrayim, I'll carry you out on the wings of an eagle. So Nechem Yalibot, uh, the eminent Torah teacher, Nechem Yalibot's argued that the two eagle metaphors are not identical. In Yisra, the people are born aloft on the eagle's wings, as Hashem shelters his vulnerable nation in the wilderness. In Azinu, young eagles are raised up by beating wings, as Hashem teaches his children to fly. She quotes the philosopher Martin Buber, the great eagle spreads its wings over the nestlings. He takes up one of them, a shy or weary one, and bears it upon his pinions until it can dare the flight itself and follow it in his mountainous gyrations. The first metaphor describes the relationship between Hashem and the people in its infancy. Second serves to capture the maturing relationship as the people are about to enter the land. Hashem is prodding his young, inhibited child to take flight for himself. So it's the same image, but really expressing very different. From needing to be rescued and taken care of to giving us wings to fly. Right? Isn't that what we talk about when you send your child to the year in Israel? When you send your child off out of the nest, hopefully you've given them wings that they can fly. So in Yisro, Hashem says, you'll ride on my wings, I'll take care of you. Now in Hazina, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, I've given you wings, now you can fly. So the one image of the eagle, so many beautiful interpretations, from Rashi to the Ger Rebbe, to Levi Yitzchak, to Menachem Mendel of Rimenov, to Nacham uh, Aleibim. It's very, very beautiful insights. Wonderful Sefer Torah United. Thank you again for the gift and the beautiful Torah that is in it. Perak Lamed Beis, Pasuk Yud Tes. Yeah, we had a lot more. Some things don't change. New Year, same lousy Parsha teacher. Pasuk Yud Tes. Vayar Hashem vayinatz mikas banavu v'nosav. Where's the Pasuk I'm looking for? Not that one. Pasuk Chaf. He will say, I will hide my face from them and see what their end will be. They are a generation that is upside down. Someone wrote a Sefer already 10 years ago about transgender and halacha. It was called Dor Ta'apuchos. In reference to this Pasuk and Rashi, Dor Ta'apuchos. 
It's upside down generation. Banim lo emun bam. Banim lo emun bam. Children whose upbringing is not in them. What does that mean? Banim lo uman bam. So if Salavechik has a comment on it. Salavechik says the following. There, are no fa- there is no faithfulness in them. Lo emun. Right? We said Hashem is a kel emuna. We, in contrast, getting rebuke now from Moshe, lo emun bam. While God is kel emuna, there's no faithfulness in them. Lo emun bam. One of the elegies recited on Tisha B'av Eicha Yeshua Chavatzalas HaSharon, there is an enigmatic phrase. Anos amen lo avu. They did not desire to respond to amen. Jewish people's failure to answer amen is one of the reasons for the Churban. Why would this be an accusation that would warrant the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash? Okay, you're supposed to answer amen. Is omitting amen so bad? It's a capital crime. Somebody asked me to repeat. Rabbi Aaron Goldscheider, Torah United. Rabbi Aaron Goldscheider, Torah United. I don't get any royalties. I don't get a piece of the action. It's well worth it. I got a free set of safer. But it's, uh, it's well worth it for your Torah learning. It's beautiful. So when does the Rav, in that kina we say, we were punished, the Churban came because we didn't answer Amen. The idea that Jewish people refuse to answer Amen finds expression in the Medrash. Medrash says, Rav Dustai ben Yehuda said, do not read the Pasuk, Lo Emun Bam. It should be read, Lo Amen Bam. There was no Amen in them. They didn't wish to respond Amen to the prophets when the prophets were blessing them. We didn't answer Amen. The Kina indicates they deliberately refused to answer Amen. Not they simply failed. It's not that we were so busy reading Rabbi Sachs's Parsha sheet. You didn't hear Chazar Sashatz and didn't answer Amen. It means that they intentionally protested by not answering Amen. This act of refusal demonstrates that they refuse to accept the basic principles of our faith and to surrender to Hashem. Recitation of Amen constitutes Ha'amanaz Dvarim, a declaration that words are true. They lack the quality of Vayamina Bashem of Moshe Avdo. In effect, by refusing to answer Amen, they were guilty of the transgression of Avodah Zarah. If you don't say Amen, you don't say Ditto, Amen, Amuna, I agree, I have faith, I believe, then it's an expression of heresy, of idolatry. In general, people should recognize, concludes the Rav, the importance of Amen during the repetition of the Amidah. When the Shliach Tzibah recites a bracha and one fails to answer Amen, there's an element of implication that one is not fully in agreement with the words of the Shliach Tzibah. In fact, according to the Rambam, the brachas are not ascribed to the Tzibah during the Chazar Sashatz unless they answer Amen. You need to have nine people answering Amen. Lo emun bam, lo amen bam. Moshe is giving musr that you're in shul, or, you know, I, I try to impress this upon my children, and I try to be good with it myself. I'm not always great. Someone's having a cup of water. You're sitting down eating dinner. You're having lunch. Don't mumble it. Don't swallow the bracha faster than you're going to swallow the food. Say the bracha out loud. Give people a chance to answer amen. Give ch- One of the sweetest videos you'll ever see in your life. I'll try to remember to post it on the Parsha WhatsApp group. If you're not part of it, be part of the Parsha WhatsApp group. That's how you know when we're on, when we're off. Get bonus material, you get the Parsha write-up, and you'll get this video, Bli Neder. You can find it at rabbiafrogoldberg.org slash WhatsApp. You ever see the video of Rav Chaim Kanievsky and Rebetzin Kanievsky? Every morning they would start out each reciting Birchaz HaShachar for the other to answer Amen. It's like the sweetest video you ever saw in your life. The great Rav Chaim and his Rebetzin standing by a stender, and she is all the Birchaz HaShachar one by one, and he's answering Amen to them. It's the sweetest thing between a couple. It's beautiful. Lo Amun bum, lo Amen bum. We have to be more careful with our Amen. Amen is ditto, Amen, Amuna. Hashem is a kel, Amuna. We have to be 
people of Emuna. We have to be faithful and worthy, and we have to be reliable and dependable, and we have to exp- express and affirm our belief and our trust. Wishing everyone a Gemar Chasivatova. Should be a good kvittel. We'll pick it up again after Sukkot Mirza Hashem. Tomorrow we have 10 minutes of meaning. Mr. Sasharam, live with Amuna. But for partial class, we'll pick it up. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.